Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game for the speed and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a 3-1 to one lead here in the bottom of the ninth, but at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Randawa. A single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Randawa for strike one. Randawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one. Into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Bichette can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burke. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randawa is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's it's the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. For a team that bases everything on drafting and developing their own talent, the Colorado Rockies have had a black hole they need to repair. Since their inception, the Rockies have failed to draft a star catcher. In fact, they've had a National League All-Star at every other position on the field, including eight All-Star pitchers, but never had a player honored for his work behind the plate. On this week's episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, Manny and I talk with Hall of Fame baseball writer Tracy Ringlesby about why catching talent has been so tough to acquire and what makes the position the toughest position in all of sports. So keep it right here. Our first pitch is coming up right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. Welcome back to the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Manny Randall and Mark Knutson. We're joined by Hall of Fame baseball writer Tracy Ringlesby. And Trace, you and I were talking on the phone earlier today, um, and you didn't, I don't think you knew this, but the Colorado Rockies have produced an all-star at every position except catcher uh, throughout their history. And I was just going down the list with Manny. He couldn't name all the outfielders. I had to help him out with some of that. But um, it's a weird. Six out it's of a weird ten di- is not bad. Not that's not bad at all. It was a weird dynamic. Yeah, but you didn't get cargo. That's bad. Um, I would have gotten it. You would have gotten that eventually. It's a weird dynamic. I mean, it's not. I don't know how much of it involves the position itself, and how much of it just involves luck of the draw. It's, the Broncos have had the same problem at quarterback. The Avalanche have had the same problem at goaltender. It's just that one position that you can't draft and develop. And this is a team that needs to draft and develop. Trace, what do you attribute the the, the problem there being? Well. I think it's more widespread than you think it is, Mark, because I went down and looked this after we talked earlier A team since 1992, which was the first year the Rockies had a, right. a chance to draft, right? Yep. Well, there, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine other teams. Rockies are one of 10, or the Rockies actually drafted a, a catcher that caught for them. There's nine teams that haven't drafted a catcher who has played for them in the big league. We're talking Tampa Bay, yeah. Toronto, the Mets. The Nationals, the White Sox, the Indians, the Brewers, and the Reds, and Arizona. Wow. The Reds didn't draft Johnny Bench? 
I'm talking about since oh, 1992. Okay, I got you. Because I got you. the Rockies didn't have a chance to draft before. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Manny, is it a position? So it's a positional thing, Manny. You think that's true? <clears throat> that surprises me. Uh, what yeah. Tracy just said, and yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't doubt it. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. I'm sure it's true. It's just that I think <clears throat> what happens with catchers is you'll have some that slug. You have bench. You have Piazza, but you don't have guys that obviously the legs are always a problem because they're catching. And I think we see enough of them that become stars to assume that any team can go and just, yeah. you know, draft and develop a guy like that. But Buster Posey's one in a million, you know, and I, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't think that I, I, I think that we see enough of them to, to kind of assume too much about whether catchers are a dime a dozen or one in a million. Trace, you've been, you've been doing this for a long time, about back to your Baseball America days. Has this problem precluded 1992? Uh, is it is it just something that, I mean, sometimes NFL teams take kickers and punters for granted. Do teams take catchers for granted? Or do they really value the position? I don't think they take catchers for granted. I think that if you're going to evaluate a player getting ready for the draft, there might not be a more difficult position than catcher. That's fair. Because you're catching, you're not catching the same level of pitcher you're going to get into professional baseball. I mean, you can watch a pitcher, right. you can look at their stuff, you can look right. at their velocity, you can look at, at their competitiveness. But I think with catchers, you're dealing with such a different type of animal because um, a lot of them don't get the experience catching the guys, you know, they don't catch Nolan Ryan or they don't catch right. Frank Tanana at that level. And, and so I think that's part of it because I mean, when you, even when you look at guys that have been drafted as catchers, I mean, a lot of times, they don't wind up really being catchers. I yeah. Mean, Victor Martinez. I mean, yeah. if he's one of them that, that I credited the Tigers with drafting a catcher, but he, that's not where he wound up spending most of his career. It's not what he was noted for. So I just, I just think because of the nature of the beast, you do not get to fully watch the development and, and be able to project what a catcher could become at some point in time, because it's such a different level of participation when you get to this this point. Now that doesn't mean that the Rockies have done a great job. I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to say that, but I think it's, it's a, it's a challenge that a lot of different teams have, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. you know, they did actually, they did draft two catchers that got to the big leagues, uh, Bard and uh, Ionetta, you mm -hmm. know, so, I mean, it's, it's in there, but it's just difficult. Who's the, uh, who's the most famous example trace of a guy who they moved, I guess it'll be Craig Biggio, right? Guy who was a catcher. They moved. Well, Biggio would be one. Avila would probably be one. Victor Martinez is, is one. I mean, it's there's a, there's a lot of them in there because again, you get to that big league level and the quality of catching you have to have to be able to be on a team with a championship opportunity. It's it's it changes so much, and you just don't know what guy's going to be able to make that change coming in. I'm I'm trying to look at the list here real quick and just see some of these others. Um, Darren Fletcher, Laduca wound Fletcher. up being moved. Laduca wound up being moved out of Darren country. Fletcher, the the ex post catcher, yeah. There, yes. Okay. But he was originally signed by the Dodgers. Hmm. Well, so, speaking but, of the Dodgers, Mike Piazza, um, he was, <laughs> I mean, the, you know, we all know the famous story that he, he was be uh, a baseball today. They don't draft that. For right. Him. Right. Yeah, right. They don't, right. Not the famous story of how he now. was uh, independent you know, ball. Right. Yeah. He was a guy. Yeah. He was a guy that favored a Lasorda yeah. or it was, it was a favor. His dad was Lasorda's best friend. Right. So it was a favor for his dad that, that they yeah. took a look mm -hmm. at this guy and, but he had, <laughs> you know, I mean, Ted Williams had a look at him before anybody else, you know, and, and, and so it's not like he hadn't had any exposure, but can you he tell wasn't, us? Let me, let me tell you something right now. I, having played against Mike as you, and he came up through the minors. Yeah. When he was an Albuquerque Duke, he wasn't very good. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, that's you the, mean that the player behind the plate, behind the plate. And yeah. he didn't hit the ball very well until the second half of the season. First half of the season, everything was a ground ball to the right side. Second half of the season, he, huh. he's bat caught up. But I mean, that team had Eric Young and Pedro Martinez and uh, Pedro Stasio and a lot of really good players. He was not among the best players in that team. What happened? I, I don't know. Maybe some maybe trace. Maybe some of these guys are just late developers. Uh, maybe well, like you said, they, it's hard to evaluate. It's hard for them to get up to the speed. I played with a kid. You remember him well, Tracy, Robbie Wine, Bobby Wine's son, who was a great catcher in college at Oklahoma State, got to the pros with us in, in the Astro organization, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. I think the other thing that happens in there, like with the Piazza, there becomes that inner drive that you want to be successful and you're going to force yourself to be successful. And it's probably more rigorous to try to do that as a catcher yeah. because of the beating you're going to take behind the plate. So it takes a, a special mentality to accept the fact that, you know what, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Yeah. I got to kick myself in the butt if I'm going to move forward. And so, I mean, I, I really give a lot of credit to Piazza for how he developed and how he came along. And you know, the other thing I think that happens is people lose sight of the challenge a catcher faces based off what pitching staff he's yes. with. You know, people knock Ted Simmons all the time. And as, uh, as Bob McClure said, well, you know, nine of our 10 pitchers threw spitters. And those are hard <laughs> things to catch. And he said, so everybody says Ted didn't catch, you know, let balls get by. Well, we were glad he would knock some of them down. What's for the us. old, uh, what's the old <laughs> saying from Bob Euchre? He said, I knew what to do after a while. I, uh, who was, who was Euchre catching? Was it Gaylord the Perry? Brewers. Oh yeah. yeah. No. Uh -huh. yeah. He was catching a knuck. I don't know. Phil Necro. So Phil Necro, he said, uh, yeah, knuckleballer, Phil Necro. So he said, <laughs> "What I would, I learned how to catch Phil Necro. I would just, you know, when the when he was in his windup, I would just run back to the back. Yeah, and stop rolling and pick it up. Yeah, it is a tough position. In fact, I think it's the toughest position in professional sports. Period, because you yeah. have to be part wow. pitching coach, part psychologist, field general, and you have to hit, by the way, and produce at the plate. I mean, it's 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 a legitimately difficult, really difficult job. Goaltenders have to stop a puck. They don't have to coax their pitcher through a game." A lot of these pitchers, right. trust me, are nut jobs and need to be <laughs> walked through a game and co kept through a game. And so I think it's a tough and You speak from experience? Uh, yes, absolutely. I, I represent that remark. Um, I think it's it's clearly a position that that is slower developing. I mean, you're going to have to guys – and the Rockies have this kid in the minors now, Romo, who they're very high on. But And I know they've taken another kid named Max George, who's a Regis product, and they've, they've turned, him, turned him. And that's another thing I want to ask you about, Tracy, is turning guys into catchers once they draft them, turning athletes into catchers. But it's just going to take longer, right? It's going to take longer for these guys to develop. So it, it requires some patience, too, on the part of the organization. Is that fair? No, I think I think it's very fair. No, I, and you're right. It's take a kid like like the George kid, and it, you say, okay, we're going to make a catcher out of you. Mm -hmm. If he hasn't been catching for a long period of time, yeah, the minor leagues, that, it's, that's a challenge at well, that point. And, yeah, and you're I was going to say, like, how, yeah. how do you turn a guy into a catcher at, yeah. the, at the pro level? Yeah. But, but the, there's been guys that, you know, yep. Dar I think Fletcher was one of them. Darren Fletcher mm -hmm. was one really? of those guys. Too. That's yeah. incredible. I didn't know that. There's, there's guys that come along and, and uh, they see it as their opportunity. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really what it becomes. And so they Talk make about a learning that. curve. Yeah. And the, but there's and that's what I say. It's it's I think it's a tougher position to land because your your game changes so much from the day you get into pro ball to you have a chance to get to the big leagues from what you've ever been through in life. I mean, you don't. Yeah. You know, I'm covered early on in my career in the 70s. I'm covering the Angels. So they had Ryan and Tanana back to back. That's a lot to do to catch yeah. those guys. Yeah. Right? Neither yeah. one knew where the ball was going at that point. Right. It's all over the place. But with Tanana, you did. You just, yeah. And, and with Nolan, it was just cross your fingers. But, yeah. you know, I mean, the, those are challenges, though, that these that the guys have to, to take. And that's why I think a lot of times 
you see teams make concessions with a the catcher. They're not as worried. They don't worry about what they're going to hit. They worry yeah. about what they're going to catch. And, and I think when we evaluate players, it's, it's like on the veterans committee and guys will look at second baseman or something and they'll say, well, you know, the second baseman now, but you're not looking at the second baseman now in generations, yeah. things change. And I think when you look at catchers, you can't expect the same offensive production that Hall of Fame players from other positions go. Are catchers right. underrepresented? You're on. You're on the veterans team. Are 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 catchers underrepresented in the Hall of Fame? Oh yeah, we can't get Bill Free. We can't get the people to vote Bill Freehand in. <clears throat> we put mm-hmm. together the ballot. We put Bill Freehand on. This guy was like a seven-time All-Star, yeah. five, six-time Gold Glove winner. Played on a championship team. Was a very key part of a World Championship team. We can't get him. We can't get him inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Is that because the people just don't look at the nuance of the fact that catchers have so much more on their plate? Oh, than I just hitting? definitely think that's the case. That's, I think that's it. And I also think that when you, when you get younger guys and you're dealing with older players, they don't really know what Bill Freehand was. Trace, you were, you've followed the Rockies since their inception. So, and you're, you're very close with some of the people in the scouting department. Take us through what they might be thinking and they might be looking when they're trying to evaluate a high school or a college catcher. I think the biggest thing you're doing is is you're hoping you go in to see them at a time when when the best pitcher on that staff yeah. is actually pitching and they're having to make some adjustments and they're having to deal with it, you know. And you you also want to see how they handle the mistakes because, you know, I, I know scouts over the years said, you know, I can't tell you if a guy's any good till I see him fail. Yeah. And I have to see how he handles failing. Yeah. And that's another point you get into with with the catcher is – you're going to be facing better. You're going to be handling better pitchers. How are you going to deal in your early part of, of making those adjustments? How are you going to deal with the fact that you're not quite what you were when you were in high school or yeah. when you were in college? And, and that's not knocking. It's, it's just, to me, catching is probably not only the physically toughest game, yep. Yep. it's the mentally, it's totally mentally toughest. Because that's, yep. you've got to be able, whoever's on that mound, you've got to somehow be able to put your mind into their mind so you can lead them in the <laughs> Which right Which isn't direction. easy a lot of times. I right. Totally well, agree. I think what I'm Well, Mitch well, Williams I'm, didn't have a mind to get inside. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. What do you, you got to do it with 10, 10 or now, what, 12 different personalities you got to master. Yeah. That's and, the other and, thing. I mean, that's yeah. that, how many different guys are, are, mm-hmm. are marching out of that bullpen nowadays. And it's the different yeah. drummers. Yeah. Well, and, and the bottom line is some guys, you need to chew them to make them listen. Yep. Some guys you got to be really careful because their ego's too frag too fragile. And some guys you just don't yeah. go out there at all because you know they're just gonna tell you to get the hell out of here. Right? Exactly. Wasn't that what Bob Gibson used to do? Tim, yes. Tim McCarver. Well, you no, he don't. Say- you know, <laughs> get down behind home plate. I'll shake my head and tell you what I'm gonna throw, and you just yeah. catch it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All you know I about mean, all you know about hitting it or pitching is that you can't hit it. It's yeah, it's always yeah. A, no, I, I this is all of this is giving me an even greater appreciation for um Buster Posey, <laughs> this guy who's just retiring. Yep. Just retired, yeah. uh, won a World Series title. He came More up in May one. and won a World Series title. And then he won again two years later, and two years later the Giants won again. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of that has to do with Boach, and I know a lot of that has to do with the, the pitching staff itself. But what you guys are saying here is that we underestimate how difficult it is to be a catcher. And for a guy to come up into the big leagues, just kind of taking a look back at Posey's career now, a guy that comes into the big leagues gets called up in May for uh, Benji Molina, the other Molina, name that Molina. And he ends up uh, helping this team go to and win a World Series for. And I think it was a first, and that was the first World Series the Giants had won in yeah. San Francisco. And so, two years later, again, then again, and coming up big in big spots, kind of that Derek Jeter esque, you know, yeah. he's in a big spot and he comes through. How have have 
have you guys ever seen a guy play that position and come and deliver as much in those moments? Uh, maybe bench is a guy, but on both sides of the ball, both, uh, both at the plate and behind it. Yeah, that's a really good point, Trace, because like a Piazza wasn't a real good defensive catcher. He was just a, a monster on offense. And you have other, other guys who are great defenders who weren't necessarily good hitters. Charlie O'Brien pops to mind. I got to throw to Charlie O'Brien a lot. Greg Maddox made him his personal catcher. That's how good he was. But if he hit, it was just a bonus, like you were talking about earlier, Trace. It was a, it was a defensive-minded position for most in the most, most part. But I, what I marvel about catchers, Manny, in that regard is guys who are, like Charlie, defensive-minded guys first, who can categorize. They can say, okay, my job is mm. to catch and manage the pitching staff. If I get a hit, great, but I'm not going to take a bat at bat back behind the plate with me. I'm not going to, if I take a third strike to end the inning, I'm not going to come back behind the dish with my gear on and start John at the umpire because right. I thought he missed that call. I know my, what my, where my bread is buttered, basically. I know what the focus needs to be. And I marvel at guys that can do that because so many guys now are so obsessed and understandably with their offensive numbers that a guy who's been put in there specifically to play defense, especially a catcher, with all he has to do, really you got to tip your cap to him that he's able to categorize like that and, and put the offense stuff off to the side. Even look at the, at uh, Tampa or not. Yeah. Tampa Bay right now, the kid there, I mean, he's going to hit about 200 and he's going to hit 20 home runs, but the pitchers really like throwing to him, Right. I mean, he's, he's, no. he's very good behind that point, particularly with the way they run pitchers into a game where you've got to, he's got to yeah. adjust a lot. That's got to be a challenge. Yes. Five guys. And they're all, they're not all going to throw the same. In fact, that's why you're bringing different guys in. Right. As you know, Mark, you, you don't want absolutely. You don't guys throwing 105. You don't want the next guy to throw 105. Right. You'd like to have him throw about 86. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> two right. guys. Two guys that I want to kind of get your takes on in terms of similarities and differences. Buster Posey, who we talked about, he comes up. He's got a young pitching staff: the Lincecums, yep. the Bumgarners, the Matt Javi Kane. Lopez, yep. Javi Lope, Matt Kane, Javi Lopez, who comes up and he's got Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin. He's got this. He's got this three-headed monster. Uh, and then they also, you know, Smoltz and then they had Avery. Avery yeah. What's more of a challenge and how so? I, I think those that, guys. I think the hobby was probably the bigger challenge because you're dealing with guys that know what they want to do and they know what, you, what road they want you to take them down. They don't want to go down the roads you want to go down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think there's a bigger challenge there. And I think, I think that's why on, on teams like Terry Humphrey couldn't hit at all. He caught every time Nolan pitched when he was with the Angels because Nolan was comfortable right. with Terry, Terry yeah. Humphrey. So I think as a young guy, when you come up, you're dealing with trying to get the respect of those, those starting pitchers and how they're going to respond to you. And it's easier when it's guys that you came through the system with because right. when you've got younger staff and you're a younger guy, you guys have been in the minor leagues together. You guys have talked yep. about your dreams together. And so there's more of an inner support. And that's not that the veteran guy – is going to dislike the younger catcher, but the veteran guy knows how he has to pitch to pitch well, and he doesn't need you to tell him to do something different. The kids I coach now, I talk to them about, so listen, the ball leaves the pitcher's hand with his name on it, not the catcher's name and not the the coach. One of the things that drives me crazy about high school and college coaches nowadays is they're calling pitches from the dugout. And they're not letting the catcher and pitcher get in, in sync like that. You know, and the pitcher's not allowed to shake him off because the coach wants this certain pitch thrown. And it's, it, it harms the development of the catcher. It really does. I've coached some college kids in the summertime, did not know how to coach, call a game. My high school pitchers know how to call a game because we drill that into them when, at the beginning. You're calling the game. We'll talk between innings. We'll talk before the game. But you're calling the game. Okay? I, I, you got to know how to set a guy up. These college coaches don't let catchers do that anymore. And it's pathetic. It really is. And I've argued with lots of them about it. 
Um, well, the catch is the development is har- is being harmed that way. So that synchronicity you're talking about, Trace, that has to come almost away from the field sometimes. It has to come during batting practice. That comes when they're out having beer after the game or whatever. That synchronicity is critical, as you mentioned. And it, in some cases, you have to do it on your own. Well, Mark, as you know, the catchers don't hang out with the other position players. Yeah, that's right. The catchers hang out with yep. the pitchers. That's right. That's their, their thing. But, yep. yeah, and, and you've got you've got to be in sync with that that pitcher and that pitcher has to be able to shake you off if they're uncomfortable yep. and make yep. you understand when you start seeing these guys now these these statistical experts that all of a sudden are going to break the game down half of them don't even have never watched the game they just like run their computer yeah um you're dealing with it's it's good i don't have anything against the mathematical <clears throat> part i mean that was what i one thing i could pass in college the, the short <laughs> period i was there i could pass Math stuff was no big deal. So, I mean, I don't have a problem with that idea, but you've got to understand that in dealing with a pitcher, you're not just dealing with a robot that's going to go out there and be able to command everything every day. You've got to be able to adjust to what they're capable of doing. I mean, when I watch the things people start talking about with pitchers now, I covered a pretty good uh, relief pitcher when I was in Kansas City. Quisenberry would have never got out of a ball because he never threw a better than 82 was the hardest he could throw. That's true. And he's a, and he becomes a closer. Do you know why? Because he was never afraid of anything. He didn't care. What's the worst thing that's going to happen to me? You know, and, and yeah. he says, I'm, I'm here. And, you know, and at other times you run into guys. Oh, shoot. He went from uh, the Yankees to Minnesota, became the closer in Minnesota. And he was just a disaster. He was the greatest eighth inning pitcher in history. But he um, he could never make that. Was that, that re- was that that wasn't Reardon, was it? That, no, Re- no. Reardon, Reardon was Reardon a terminator. Was a dominant, yeah, he, he was a terminator. dominant closer. Yeah. Uh, let me t- I'll tell you guys one real quick story about, Char- about Charlie O'Brien, because you're talking about guys who hung out with the pitchers and who really thought like the pitcher. Um, we're playing in, in Yankee Stadium, and I pitched against my friend Tim Leary one night, and I left the game in the after seven, had one nothing, we ended up winning one nothing, and Tom Seaver was broadcasting for the Yankees at the time. Next day, he comes up to me, and we're stretching. He taps me on the shoulder, and he pulls me aside. And I, listen, I wore 41 my whole career. I made no secret of this for Tom Seaver. That, he was my guy. So... Tom Seaver calls me away from stretching. I'm going to go follow Tom Seaver. I'll, I'll, I'll take the fine. I'm going to go listen to Tom Seaver. He says, I want to tell you something. He goes, I noticed last night. He said, I didn't say anything on the broadcast, but I noticed last night that every time you shook Charlie off, you threw a fastball. And other teams are going to pick up on that kind of stuff as well. So you've got to let Charlie know that. And Charlie and I talked about it. And Charlie said, I kind of wanted that. I kind of, because I'm kind of setting people up, but I kind of wanted that. I know I knew that too. But, you know, you get the dummy shakes and all those kinds of different things. To, to compensate for that kind of stuff. But we were on, I didn't have to shake Charlie off very often. I just didn't have to, because he knew my stuff. He knew what I wanted to do in certain situations. And if I, it's almost, we've all seen Bull Durham. It's almost some of these catchers get in veteran catchers, especially get into that mode where you're going to shake me off. You're going to shake me off. No, I know what to throw in this situation. You, you don't, and you know, I'm not saying they tell the hitter what's coming, but they'll make sure you, you know, who's running the show. Some of these well, if you're crash Davis, they're, they're, they're worth their weight in gold. They really are. Virtually. Speak well of me. Yeah. Speak well of me. That's right. Hey, Trace, <laughs> I have another question for you. Um, so many, I mean, I think at this moment, if I'm not mistaken, half of the, exactly half of the major league managers are former catchers. That's not an accident, is it? No, I mean, I, I think over time, teams look for guys that were catchers. They always have because the feeling is that those guys um, have a feel for the most important part of the game. Right. I mean, you, you don't, you don't coach a hitter during a bat, but you're coaching a catch. A catcher's coaching a pitcher all the way through the game. Right, exactly right. 
And the, the pitcher has to have that ultimate confidence in the catcher, in, in what they're doing behind the plate and what they're trying to, to translate. And they've got to be able to catch the ball. <laughs> you, yeah. you don't get points. You don't get Especially points. Especially nowadays. The, yeah, the points don't come because the guy, the ball went to the, to the uh, backstop. Yeah. Yeah, you you know? picked it up after it stopped rolling. Yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because um, you mentioned that, that, that the idea of um, catchers becoming managers, Mark, and I remember when I was doing the book that Dante said, Dante Bichette said that they wanted to try to convert him into a catcher. Um, yes, I remember and, that. Uh, I remember that. That was not going to work. And, that would not have worked. And, well, you know, he said later on, I mean, he, t- he said. Uh, he also thought he could pitch. So let's be that's what <laughs> well, Dante he, thought. And he did he, go out he, pitching. He pitched yeah. an independent ball no, later. I, but I saw that. Said, that's not good. He, he that was said, not good. He said, uh, he said, you know, that could have been my thing. You know, I'm not. If I had done that, you know, you, you would think that it's 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 less longevity, but it's I think it's more longevity and, you know, it could probably calm, you know, I could probably just, you know, take whatever managing Listen, job when, I wanted to take. When after. Dante was a, a young outfielder, Tracy saw him in Anaheim. I played with him in Milwaukee. He was he had a great arm. He was sleek. He could run. He was a really good right fielder. Later in his career, he was a DH playing the outfield. Well, fair? you know, he had no ACL. Well, Right. You know, his left knee, that was a big part of it. So I wonder how, how catching would have happened with that. No, yeah, not good. Not good. Well, but I also, I also think with Dante, he finally realized, hey, the money's coming if you hit the ball. The ball. <laughs> they don't right. care if I catch That's the ball. Right. And I don't, right. in, I don't mean that no, in a negative way, right. but his focus went totally towards what do I do to swing the bat better? Yeah. Well, it yeah. goes back to when he first started watching baseball when uh, he saw Reggie Jackson in the 73 World Series because yeah. just because the game was on in the background on NBC or whatever, and he asked his mom, he's like, all the story goes, yeah. I asked my mom, what's that? He says, it's baseball. You mean, and she said, they, they get paid to do that. You mean they get paid to hit that baseball over the fence and then everybody has to watch him and wait for him to run around the bases yeah. he's like okay and at that point it, that came my life goal to hit the baseball out of there the, was out never of the ballpark. Th- he was never going to be a catcher i'm sorry i don't know whose <laughs> idea that was but that was never going to happen now i'll let you take that up with him uh, yeah he's not going to be a catcher was he, he with was, you guys or was out in, in, in anaheim I, he mentioned that when he's in milwaukee but no milwaukee did not nobody in milwaukee thought that was going to be the case probably an, an angels thing but yeah. it wasn't going to happen it wasn't going to happen Trace, if you're the Colorado Rockies now, you've got faith in this Romo kid you've drafted. You've got faith. Maybe you're hoping maybe Max George becomes something, the Regis kid. But do you put any kind of extra emphasis on the catching position when you're dra- trying to be a draft and development organization? No, I think when you're doing draft and development, you you look for these different things, but you really have to focus on taking the best available players at the time it's your turn to pick. Even you later in the draft? Well, it's later in the draft, it's going to be like 20 or 30 rounds is all it's yeah. going to be now. Yeah. I mean, they've- If you're Bill Schmidt, and he's focused, he's made it very clear, he's focused on draft and development. If you're Bill Schmidt and you're eight rounds in and you've got the best available player that you, you think those first eight rounds, do you start maybe now say, okay, we've just been so poor at drafting catchers. I'm going to focus on that because I've already got eight guys that I'm really confident in as far as quote unquote best available. So maybe at that point you start looking at, you know, position and saying, listen, this is the, we, this is a position of need. Well, I think they did that a couple of years ago. A perfect example of the kid out of uh, California, the high school kid out of California that was a second baseman, third baseman. He came up in the big leagues last year as a catcher. But I asked him, I said, you know, how hard was it for you to make the move to second base once you got into pro ball? And he goes, oh, they pretty much told me that's what was going to happen before I got drafted. Hmm. That, that they, they were drafting me with the idea that I was going to be a, that I was going to be a catcher. He said, so I was real comfortable with it. But he was in the big leagues with him last year, and he's a guy that they think is going to be a long-term catcher. And he was out of – let's say he was out of Sacramento. Um, okay. I can tell you all kinds so, of things. So are they, in the future, moving forward, are they just going to draft – okay, we've gotten these guys – it's positionless. 
We're, we're drafting athletes who can swing the bat and we'll find what position they're best suited for? Well, no, I think this was a guy when they saw him playing in high school, they felt like this guy could move behind the plate. He's got the arm strength. He's got the size to be durable back there. He doesn't quite have the foot speed to be a middle infielder. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think they, they've looked at stuff like that over time. I think not just the Rockies. I mean, most right. good scouting directors are looking at guys and saying, you know, where, where does this guy fit into our long-term plan? What positions can they play? What can they do? And so they, they make different adjustments along the way with them. Kind of along the lines of what Mark was, <clears throat> was saying, at, at what point does this become a shift from we're going to draft the best on the board when we come up to our slot versus we're going to forego the best on the board because we really need to focus on a position? Well, you're taking a gamble because you don't, particularly with the catcher, you don't know that that position is going to play through. It's, yeah. I think if all things are even, equal, that'll be, become your priority. But I don't think you could ever in baseball look at it and, and, and make that strong of a determination because you're, you're looking for people. You're hoping that the people can, can make the adjustment that you want them to make. But as we've talked here, I mean, we've, we've seen how many, we've seen a lot of catchers go in the first round and never get to the big ones. Yeah. So, I mean, I, what I'm gleaning from this is that you, know, you look at Rocky's history yeah. and you see the dearth of <clears throat> production out of the catcher spot and really, it could very well be a matter of combination of things. Yeah. Well, I mean, was, some of it who was, was, who was honestly, best on the, who was well, best on at, the board. Honestly, some of it's luck too. I mean, who, who knew yeah. Ben Petrick was going to get sick, right? I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I was just going to say. Ben Petrick is, is a great example of that. I mean, he, there were, there was nobody that questioned him for taking him in the second right. round. I mean, right. he was a guy you love, but, but all of a sudden he's, he's got uh, ALS, didn't he? ALS. Yeah. And, and yeah. so now it's not there. And everybody at first thought he was just like having an emotional reaction to right. not being as good as he wanted to be. And then it turns out it's ALS. I mean, this is, yeah. and as far as like, if you saw him, Manny, as a young kid, or if you were around him when he was a young kid, you would have thought that this, this guy's got a chance to be in Cooperstown at some point. Yeah. He was just wow. a great kid with a lot of physical ability, a plus runner for a catcher, great arm and could hit, but it, yeah. ALS kind of takes that out of you. It's funny, too. I, I always note that the Rockies' first group of catchers included four guys who became big league managers, or three guys who became big league managers and one who became a minor league manager. And that's just a stand. Brad Osmus, Joe Girardi, Eric Wedge all became big league managers. Jay Hal Cohen's became a, a minor league manager. So did Danny Schaefer. Danny Schaefer became a minor league manager. So you had five guys, your first batch. That was a, actually a position of strength with the inaugural year Colorado Rockies. And then they trade Osmus, they trade Girardi. And things just didn't Girardi, Girardi wasn't uh, Girardi wasn't a, an expansion draft pick, was he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, he was unprotected. Yeah. On uh, whose he list was, was he on? Cubs. I believe Cubs. he came for the Cubs at that point. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so um, you had this position of strength that became just this weird black hole that they've yet to be able to fill. And it's just, it's just a head scratcher. Is about the only way I can describe it. Again, some of it's luck. Some with, with the Petrick. Some of it's just circumstantial. And some of it they just missed on guys. And yeah, some of it I, is probably that you know what because we're we're talking about a draft and develop strategy. We're not talking about a free agent strategy of bringing right. a guy in here, right? So or even trade. That's been their yeah. philosophy. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, even when you come to catching, even when you're trying to do the uh, free agent approach or whatever. Right. Yep. There's a lot of guys that are going after that premier catcher. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There, there are many of them out there. There are. And physically, and physically, I also think people talk about the impact that Coors Field has on pitchers. I think physically there's nobody that suffers that, that has to beat the demands of Coors Field more than a catcher yeah. because they're 
that are out there on such a long ter- term, they're out That's there for the point. nine or 15 innings every night yeah. that they're yeah. catching, right? And yeah. they're going to catch, if you play seven games, they're going to catch at least, your, your number one guy is going to catch at least five. five yeah. Yeah. You know? and, and, and it's hot and it's, you know, there's not much of a break. You got to catch the warm up pitches between innings. You got to throw it out. You got to do a lot of things. That's yeah. why I go back to what I said. It's the toughest of position in all of sports, period. And it, we don't get, we don't recognize the guys who are really good at it enough. And just, I try to tell the kids in my program, everybody wants to come in and, and be a pitcher and hit us. Listen, you want to help me? You want to get on the field fat, fast, become a catcher. I've got a senior Seems catcher like, this year who's outstanding, but after that I'm barren back there. You're going to love this more because I'm going to, you're going to love this more because I'm going to go into a football analogy here, but you, you, you don't think even like about football. it. Huh? You don't even like you th- football. You think about, you know, how quarterbacks are kind of, I, I feel like quarterbacks are the football version of, of the catcher in the sense of uh, hard to find good ones and get, and get them to remain yeah. and become kind of a franchise type deal on their feet yeah. uh, with quarterbacks. They get the glamor catchers don't get the glamor, you know, very true. Well, that's, and that goes back to, you know, even the batting average type stuff, you have to be willing to put that aside. If you're running mm-hmm. a team, if, I mean, Girardi, Girardi's never going to catch in the big leagues. If people are worried about how yeah. much he was going to hit. Right. Because even when he hit for a decent average, there wasn't a lot of run production mm-hmm. in there. And I don't right. say that in a negative way, but because I think he that was wasn't his job. Stable. That wasn't his he, first time. Yeah. He, he built pitching, helped build pitching yes, staffs and get guys through things. And so did Brad Osmus. He yes. was the same kind of player. Eric Wedge was the same kind of player. Those guys were, were I guess, maybe they were more valued then than they are now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, like you said, Tracy, now if you're not reaching certain statistical standards as a hitter, you don't get to play. And that's unfortunate because I think that should always, forever in baseball, be a defensive first position. Man and his, and his guys have to figure out a way to increase their war if they're a good catcher find some throw something else into that mixture help them well, get well, yeah, no, I agree for, with you their and, defense and, yeah, because that's their number one job I agree with you on that but I think um it, it's the, the part of it is that when front offices become so much more involved in what happens on the field I think that that's where the catcher loses the catcher yeah. who is a a behind the plate first guy loses some of his luster because yep. It's just it's more of a position of being told what to do rather than actually doing the things that guys used to do yeah, back in the day. It's right? worse. So. It's worse at the lower levels. You're absolutely right. I, I don't know this for fact, Tracy, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some my, low level minor league coaches who are calling pitches for their catchers. Is that is that a stretch? Oh, no, that's that's become a big deal now. With okay, the, analytic, the analytics people now are, are way into they're going to call all the pitches. Ugh. And the problem with that is you don't have a you Feel. can have your thing on the you can have your your paper that tells you what a guy can hit or mm-hmm. can't hit, but that doesn't mean the pitcher that night, that might not Bingo. be a pitch that pitcher Bingo. has going for him. Absolutely and it's right. It's where I think we've always had statistical people involved in the game dating back to, to sure. when branch Ricky mm-hmm. started it in the 1930s when he had his analytics guy, we've always had those people, but when you're dealing with statistics and trying to make your judgments on statistics, you now get into your problem over, the guy that can hit in the ninth inning and the guy that can hit in the fifth inning. You don't, if you try to put it all into a package, I mean, Joe Rudy wasn't a 300 hitter in his career, but if the game was on the line, you were really happy. He came up Don Baylor. There's nobody on earth. You wanted to see at the plate in a clutch situation more than Don Baylor, but he wasn't going to hit 300. And, And so you have to be able to figure out how to delineate so that you know that this is a guy that handles pressure. And that gets back to, uh, I could remember his name, and the, twins, the guy that became the Twins closer. He was great in the eighth inning, but in the ninth inning, 
he had no net underneath him. Yeah. Right. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't have that safety valve. Uh, and that's, I, I'd put Curtis Lascanic in that category. There's a lot of guys in that category. Yeah. Pitching the ninth inning is the most difficult thing. That, the biggest Mark, emotional challenge. I agree. Mark, I will have you know, Curtis Lascanic threw a couple of the most important innings in Boston Red Sox history. Okay. Were they the ninth? <laughs> I think they were the extra extra. You know what Curtis said? I'm just I'm, I'm just messing with you, but you know what Curtis, Curtis told Lascanic me legitimately played a role okay. in that ALCS here's comeback. What, here's what he told me. He said, when they put me in the ninth inning, I felt like I was pitching with my hair on fire. That's it looked he like him. he was pitching with yeah. his hair on fire. So, I mean, I, mean, he, I remember, some I guys remember when they won the division in 95, and, and he jumped up in like six, yeah. his feet were like fifth, six feet off the I, ground. I had a teammate that told Bill Wegman that told me, I, I have to fight when I got in ninth inning, and he wasn't a closer by nature. He said, I got ninth inning, I feel like I'm trying to get three outs with one pitch. <laughs> I think there's definitely again. a mindset that goes into You look at Mariano Rivera, and it's I mean, more, he, and it's he really start, super, but he could close, right? It's super important for the catcher to be able to deal with those guys. Trace, we really appreciate you joining us, offering Thanks, your, Tracy. your Hall of Fame insight. Uh, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on Romo and, and the guys in the minors, see if the Rockies ever do get that all-star catcher. But it's interesting to note that they're one of, about a third of the teams in baseball are still in the, in the same That's boat a great with them. Point. And that, that was something that. I didn't realize. But um, we'll keep I our eyes either, on that. I, I didn't either until I stopped to look yeah. it up when yeah. you told me what we were going to talk about. Yeah. I go, well, I better That's know how amazing. bad they are. Yeah. And it, and they're, they're right. They're there. not good, but nope. they're, not on the, they're not on an island by themselves. That's, That's exactly right. We appreciate it very much, Trace. Thanks, Thanks for Trace. joining us. Manny, got your, got your closer coming up? Yep, coming up. Right, stay with us. Manny's, Manny's closure is right after this on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. This edition of The Closer appropriately is dedicated to the catcher. If there's one thing you should take away from this week's podcast, it's this. Catchers are underrated. Given the wear and tear behind the plate, the resulting added difficulty of producing at the plate, and the resulting issues with longevity so many backstops have, it's a wonder we get to see guys like Johnny Bench, Carlton Fisk, Pudge Rodriguez, Mike Piazza, Joe Maurer, Buster Posey, and others come along. Did you know there are only 21 non-active players in baseball history who spent the majority of their career as a catcher and produced more than 40 baseball reference war in their careers? 21 in baseball history. That list includes Johnny Bench, Gary Carter, Yvonne Rodriguez, Carlton Fisk, Yogi Berra, Mike Piazza, Bill Dickey, Gabby Hartnett, Ted Simmons, who recently went into the Hall of Fame, Mickey Cochrane, who was uh, the namesake for Mickey Mantle, Wally Shang, Gene Tennis, Thurman Munson, Buster Posey, Bill Freehan, who was mentioned earlier in the podcast by Tracy Ringlesby as a guy he thinks he should be in the Hall, Jorge Posada, Roger Breshnan, Roy Campanella, Jason Kendall, Daryl Porter, and Jim Sunberg. And that's your list. Only 12 of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. So the next time you see a truly special catcher, whether it be behind the plate, at the plate, or both, take in the moment. Because if baseball history is any guide, you might not see another for a long time. And with that, Manny puts the wraps on this week's episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Many thanks to Hall of Fame baseball writer Tracy Ringlesby for being our guest, and thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.